Hi, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Hello, Mixed Nutcases. This is Nuke Joss, and I've got an episode of Nutty Bites for you. It might be special. It might not be. I tried really hard not to say it, but I still talked about it being a special episode. With me, as usual, I have... Hi, I'm a limited edition tech action figure. And new to the podcast, a very good friend of mine, we have podcasting's Rich Siegfried. Hello, Rich. Hello, everybody. This is the sound of my voice. In tech, how many points of articulation do you have? Not enough. I'm like a crappy <laughs> Ken doll. <laughs> we need to modify those shoulders to get them down. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sensei says they're, they're, they're constantly up. It's and and a default. Yeah, these weird, these weird Aikido grip hands that don't actually grip anything. Yes, yes. And um, as generally usual, we have a, uh, a big daddy guest. Uh, hello, Jason. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Nutty Bites fans. It's me again. Hey, Big Daddy. And um, today we're going to be talking about geek toys. Now, the reason that I was thinking about this is uh, we got the news that Toys R Us is closing, at least in the U.S., possibly in Canada. It's still being determined. And uh, it's kind of an end of an era for some people. Um, But one of the things that Tech and I were talking about is how, you know, one of the things that Toys R Us kind of forgot to do is to focus and market to the people who have the biggest amount of cash and uh, that's geeks with no lives I mean with lots of hobbies and uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about geek toys because I mean now where do we get our toys I mean we can go to think geek we can go to GameStop we can go to Hot Topic we can go to Spencer's there's, there's all these different places and kind of Toys R Us dropped the ball on that one so Tech, how many geek toys do you have? Jet ballpark. Well, that's not where I was going to go with the conversation. Oh, how, go. Many, how many toys do I have? How many yeah. rooms in this house are jammed full of extra shelves that we had to go buy to hold all of our toys? Yes. Our house is full. I mean, just look at the walls of the Nutty Bite studio here and imagine this theme continuing throughout the house. Um, what I was going to say that um, Amazon killed the retail star. Eh, yeah. But I don't just mean Amazon. You mean online, online. retailers, ThinkGeek, yeah. and all of the other ones have killed retail outlets. Look what happened to Target in Canada. Look what just happened to Sears. Look what's happening to, uh, well, what happened to Eaton's a few years ago. What's happened? What happened to Zeller's before that? And you know, Barnes and Noble and lots of the bookstores are closing. And you know, all right. a lot of these these traditional and traditional yeah. retail is dead. And when you are a, uh, a, a toy store that refuses to uh, update its business model beyond the boy aisle, girl aisle, bicycle aisle model that it had in 1984, uh, you quickly find yourself uh, going broke because there's nothing in your... There's nothing in your store that I can't get cheaper on Amazon. So they also did nothing to bring me into their retail locations. And so they died. But you want to talk geek toys, we have a house full of them, and we didn't need Toys R Us to get them. No, we didn't. (laughs) Rich, uh, just give us a little idea of of your toy consumption. Um. I have somewhere between four and 17,000. I'm not 100% (laughs) sure. Um, I have... 
I have purged a bunch, like uh, given uh, the majority of my Star Wars uh, collection to uh, various convention uh, charity auctions and stuff, just because I didn't have... Well, well, honestly, the the prequels really killed a lot of my love for Star Wars. Now, the movie, new movies have brought it back, but I don't have that collectible itch to scratch anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, for me now, I'm much more into like uh, original, unique kind of pieces. Um, things like from uh, uh, the patches from Monster Rangers uh, are really awesome. Um, I am a subscriber to Loot Crate. So getting some of those things are really cool. But, you know, Tech, with you mentioning um, uh, Toys R Us, I think what might have saved them is if they partnered up with some of the sites like ThinkGeek. Absolutely. Um, what have you. And because <clears throat> one of the problems with Toys R Us was that they were really just the mainstream um, manufactured, just kind of... Um, yeah, the Mattel, the Hasbro, the... The, the things that all kind of looked the same. There wasn't yeah. a lot of uniqueness to them. And that's why so many things like whether it's Etsy or uh, individual shops, you're, you're starting to uh, think geek, um, whether it is the product tie-in stuff or if it's the uh, uniqueness um, of things that's really coming out, which is kind of surprising because we see that like Funko Pops are so popular and they all look the same, but oh, having unique painting on them. No, and I love them too, but they really are all of just about all the same. I mean, they, but like Legos, that's essentially what they are. They're, they're like Legos, but the, the, the differences in them are the little things you either stick to them or how they're painted and whatnot. So uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly how valid my argument is since I realized the counter argument while I was talking about it. But I think a lot of it has to do with um, just the loss of individuality or uniqueness with a lot of the stuff. And so for me, um, like I love, uh, tiki glasses. So I've got a bunch of those. I've got, uh, art pieces that I pick up at cons. Um, but when, yeah, when it comes to toys, I, uh, it basically loot crate, loot crate is the thing that, that brings me things, the physical, tangible things that I can hold, um, instead of just going out to, uh, an overpriced retailer and getting stuff that I'm just going to look at. Yeah. And, you know, your suggestion there is one of the reasons why I asked Jason to come on, because he currently uh, works for a company that did partner with ThinkGeek so people could see. Yeah, they bought them uh, so that you could see the uh, ThinkGeek items in a store. It's uh, yeah. So uh, it's been said a few times, but uh, I work for GameStop and. GameStop has done a couple of things to try to save themselves because let's be real, um, digital gaming is taking a massive effect. Like people, I mean, yes, right now um, you can if when a game first comes out, you can buy it digitally for the same price you can buy it in the store. But you got Steam sales, <coughs> you have flash sales on Sony, you know, on the PlayStation and the Microsoft, where now retailers or game developers can say. Well, yeah, when we launched the game, it was this, but it's been out for a month or two. We can now mark it down $20 off or even half price because we don't have to distribute it. We just literally let you download the software and it's nothing out of off our backs. So GameStop bought ThinkGeek because they saw that there was a market for collectible things. However, they didn't prune it, right? What I mean by pruning it, they didn't get you to that place where those things you need, like Rich was talking about, those unique things. 
they have a lot of tie-in materials. A lot of it is a tie-in stuff, like Nerf guns for for Deadpool or Star Wars or, or you know, things like that. Every so often, you get some gems in though, like the Bluetooth Star Trek communicator pin that you can use to talk to people through, like an actual Star Trek communicator. It's pretty dope. Um, also, they've gotten a resurgence, or I shouldn't say resurgence, but they've actually increased their number of model kits. I'm talking about I've got an Epion sitting in my store that I'm probably going to buy. Yeah, I'd love model kits. But <laughs> so they haven't pruned it down, which I think they need to do because you like you said you have to be unique. Like you you, you can't just have the run of the mill Toys R Us Toys R Us stuff because it doesn't really sell. Whereas where you sell is like prime example. I have a customer, I'm not going to say his name anymore, but he will not buy like we have to display statues and stuff so if we have multiples of them i will set them aside display one if he sees one and says hey do you have another one of those that's actually still in the box i'll go grab it for him he will drop 500 dollars in cash no problem if it's a statue he wants and that's the type of person you have to go for when you deal with these type of geeky collectibles because they don't want the run of the mill they want the mint unique not very many of these things. And that's what most geeky toys are about, right? It's like having that thing on your shelf that you can be like, hey, man, look at this. Prime example, new collectible we got out with the new Infinity Wars tie-in. We have an Infinity Gauntlet. Like, and it's like... Yeah, they're right? awesome. They're huge. Yeah, it's enormous. And I've sold both of them. Like, they're both... We got two in, sold them within two days. Well, yeah, that makes sense because it's a right-hand, left-hand. What, do you want to walk around with just one? Yeah. By the way, I just I can't wait to see some of the two infinity gauntlets walking around. Those whole things gonna be great. But it's that it's that thing like you you know what they're probably gonna literally put it in a case with it lit up because it does light up, which is awesome. Yeah, and it's gonna sit there forever. But it's something you can literally say, "Hey man, check this out." And like you know, again, I have a video of my small little statue collection, and I've got several different ones. But the star of it is my little. Sailor Jupiter, just sitting so neatly on my little shelf. Oh, Sailor Jupiter. So GameStop, by the way, speaking specifically, at, like a few other stores, are the, the stores that have a wall of pop figures. And pop figures has been the gateway for some people to get into geek toys. There are some people that are like, oh, I'm an adult. I don't do toys. And then they're like, oh, but look at this pop figure. Oh, I have to get this pop figure from my favorite TV show. And then they get sucked in because then they see all the other cool things, you know, like the Death Star waffle maker. I mean, who doesn't want that? Now, granted, it's a kitchen tool, but it's still a toy. I mean, come on. And it also proves the flat Death Star theory. So exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, Speaking of pops, like I, I openly admit I have a pop problem and it's getting bad because um, I love Overwatch. I love playing Overwatch. Um, I've actually gotten into playing competitive Overwatch on um, on the console. And every time they come out with a new wave of Overwatch pops, I pre-order every single one. And I did it with this last run. I almost have enough. Actually, technically, I have enough to recreate the Overwatch cast poster with pops. And it's. And I bought, I literally bought a curio cabinet last week just for my pop. <laughs> that and, is fantastic. And for me, what's really bad is that pops are a tie-in to something I love, which is anime, because pops are just chibi characters. Yep. Mm. And they're the super deformed, cute, adorable little chibi characters turned into something I can tangibly touch, and it's great. 
I and most of the time, like a lot of people, like I just want to collect the rare ones. Me, I collect the things I like. Like you were talking about, Nerdy, I've got, I found a War Doctor pop after um, John Hurt passed away. I mm. searched for this thing, and I got one, and it's awesome. I've got Shaggy, not Shaggy. I'm sorry. I've got Scooby, and I got Velma. You know that that brings me to something that I wanted to talk a little bit about with Geek Toys because Geek Toys is kind of. A, a, a gateway to our inner hoarding, our inner completionists. We want to have the whole set. We got to catch them all kind of a thing. And once you get one, it leads to others. Oh, absolutely. Tech, you wouldn't know anything about that or no. building a curio cabinet for some toys. No, the ones I'm holding in my hands that you can show to my <laughs> friends right now. So here, if you'll hold them up to the camera, this is my obsession and has been my obsession since i was 16 years old that is a warhammer figure yeah that is typhus leader of my death guard and here's my vindicare my vindicare assassin from my imperial guard army my imperial guard army right now stands at eight tanks three super heavies nine war walkers and 252 individual infantry models not counting my assassins my death guard i've got maybe 40 or 50 models in it uh two plague uh, two plague bringers and a whole bunch of tanks that I'll be getting soon because I can't stop. We're talking about uh, overpriced collectibles. These are the definition of overpriced. Games Workshops sells things in the value of human souls. And they come... You have to paint them too. I know, yes. and they come unassembled on the plastic sprue, and it's up to you to assemble them and then paint them yourself. So I have some. I have a whole bunch in a box that I rescued. Uh, a friend of mine gave them to me in frustration. Some kid at the model store spent hundreds of dollars buying this army and didn't know how to paint them, but know, knew that they want that they had to have red armor. So he took the assembled glued model in his hand, had a big vat of house paint, and just dunked it into the paint and let it dry. They were dip-painted. It's horrible. By the way, uh, this, this Plague Soldier is really well done. Yeah, it's Typhus. Absolutely. Of course Great. he's well By the way, so here's a question for you, Tech. Because I know a lot of people, a lot of collections and, and hobbies are therapeutic. They're, they're things people do to relax. Painting is painting is one of those very, very few hobbies I have that allows me to sit still and be quiet, and I don't mind it. Uh, I have I have ADHD. I'm a I am the frantic contradiction. I am a a, a frantic, busy person, uh, to say the least. Uh, but painting. Uh, painting my minis is one of those things that I can turn on some music, sit there for uh, you know six, seven, eight, nine hours, and not notice the day went by. Uh, it's a great de-stressor. It's a it's a great hobby, and it's fun. It's creative, and beyond the paints, I mean, and you know the expensive models. I mean, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting in my house. The actual playing of the game, I have very few friends to play with, um, <laughs> and we don't play that often. Because to us, collecting the minis and painting them and assembling and making little stories for our armies is a lot more fun than, than the rolling of the dice. And the game isn't bad. Uh, I have a big problem with other geeks, and this is the problem I have with a lot of geek games, is that you know we were drawn to these games and to these hobbies because we were socially awkward and couldn't get into the other things that we were told were important. So now we try to do games of social interaction played by people who can't socially interact. 
<laughs> so I've had guys at the store like step to me and like do the alpha gorilla chest pump and say, yeah, well, you can't do that with that model in my army this and yeah, well, what do you think you got, bruh? I, I think I have plastic. I think I've got plastic dollies, and I think I'm going to roll some dice to see if they're better than your plastic dollies. You, you do realize I am an actual soldier and have gone to actual war. Like if I want to, if I, if you want to fight, uh, enlist. Uh, other than that, be quiet and let's roll some dice and see if your imaginary elves can beat my imaginary plague zombies. By the way, folks, if you want to fall into a hole. Go read the Black Library and, and oh. just read about the different chapters of the Warhammer 40K universe. Holy cow. That's the one thing that, that's the one thing that Games Workshop got right. It's that if they're going to create an obsessive hobby, they might as well fill it and make it something to obsess about. So what I love in everything that they do is they say, these are the things that we've created, but go ahead and make your own. So in everything that they do, They'll create a. They'll be like a list in a book and say these are the twenty regiments that went over the hill during this battle, and you'll see twenty of them, and two of them will be redacted, and they won't tell you why, and they leave everything with a little hint of vagueness in everything they do to give you an in to tell your own story. A built-in outlet for fan fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because that's basically what role playing is, right? <laughs> you mean like Star Wars used to have? Yeah, yeah. Before House of Mouse got involved, yes. but um, or like Star Trek used to have before they decided to make Star Trek again, and then you know stopped all the fan projects. Yeah, and brought up the rules of acquisition. There is that. Uh, <laughs> so um, the. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a hoarding nature. There's definitely a, oh, I want to get all the different things. Um, I personally have limited my pop figure consumption, just like really important pops, you know, ones that I think are inspiring or I would just get them all. But I do love going and looking at all the new ones. Oh, absolutely. Well, for me, when it comes to the pops, I... I I know my addictive personality. I know that I will deep dive into them and get every character of every fandom that I have. So uh, that's why I don't buy them. Um, I only get the ones that come to me via Loot Crate. Um, some of them, they're not my thing, but they look cool, so I put them up. Um, other ones, yeah, I really love them. And then uh, there's two that I have that I didn't get through Loot Crate, or three. One of them is one of the uh, snow troopers from uh, uh, from the Force Awakens, and then I got two separate Deadpool ones. And those three I won in a uh, trivia contest. And one of the uh, writers of Deadpool, uh, he he wrote a couple of the Deadpool comics. He was there, so I got him to sign them. Oh, that's um, cool. But, yeah, but that's that's it when it comes to the the pops because I know. Uh, have to make house payments. I've got kids that need clothes <laughs> and food. So uh, they're yeah, going to want to go to college someday, and these toys are not—they're <laughs> not accumulating. That no, they—it's uh, in value. It's something that I do have to. Yeah, there's all those kinds of things, and um, it's something that I don't even wish I could do because I know exactly what would happen, and it would not be pretty. I would be selling plasma. To get the latest Phasma, you know, I mean, that's which is how that would work <laughs> I love me. that. <laughs> did there, yeah. um, but you know, for me though, like mentioned with the tiki's, because I was looking over and I've got a bunch of 
Like I've got a zombie tiki, I've got a Frankenstein, I've got a Cthulhu, I have an Edgar Allan Poe, one from the Guar Bar, uh, Venom, uh, Carnage, those, and Batman. Those three were from uh, from Loot Crate. A bunch of random ones, you know. Uh, but I, I, I think that the the only thing that I really actively collect right now are uh, uh, two comics. It's the Tick and Flaming Carrot. Those are ones that if nice. I go into a comic book shop, I have to go through their long boxes to track those down. And if they have them and I don't have them, I buy them. That, well, that and Rocketeer. Those are, those are really the three that I'm just like, I want those. Now, I do force I, – I restrain myself from going online and buying them. It's only if I go into a place if the opportunity because that's kind of what I, what I have to do. The, the one time that I, I went online and was like, I'm going to buy something. I ended up buying a $100 vaudeville joke book uh, or a 100-year-old uh, vaudeville <laughs> joke book. And, uh, yeah, none of those are repeatable. Um, <laughs> 100 years old. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I do like a lot of the vaudeville circus uh, burlesque stuff. But, again, that's something that I just like. I, I have very expensive tastes, and it's just not, not good to the pocketbook. So I have to restrain myself. You know, it's funny you brought up comics because I was sitting here. I was actually thinking about this on my way home from work when Nutty mentioned his, you know, geeky toys. And I was like, a lot of the things that geeks have and collect necessarily by other people wouldn't be considered a toy. And mm. I have a very large manga collection. No. <laughs> it's real large and what's worse still this is, is just sounding dirty <laughs> what's worse still is my anime collection is a probably five times bigger than it like and i realized that not only is it because i love anime and i love collecting anime and i love getting the things that i enjoy but it's also based off the fact that growing up i couldn't get it mm-hmm <laughs> Really, as I do now, and I I caught myself in an old man moment in tech. We really do need to do this old guy podcast because someone was talking about how they were they were complaining about this anime, and I was like, you know, when I was growing up, I had to wake up at five in the morning to watch black and white reruns of Gigantor with terrible, uh, with terrible, with terrible dubs. I had to watch Ronin Warriors, aka Samurai Troopers, with like that crappy. Um, Oh, oh gosh! Um, what you call it? Dub? Oh God! What Back in my it? day, we had to go all the way to the East Village to find some anime. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> the only anime I could watch was on Saturday anime on Sci-Fi, and it was heavily edited, and like they reran Akira at least twice a week. Like I was, like, I was like, <laughs> when so when Space Channel watch- was brand new, if you stayed up late enough at night, you could watch Captain Harlock or Galaxy Express five five five. Yeah, and I was Back like, in my day, we had GoBots and Smurfs, and we liked it, and we exactly. liked it. Yeah, and I was like, and if you liked like, the Snorks, you were you were driven out of town on the rails. <laughs> the Snorks were awesome. I'm sure I would never want to watch an episode now, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I told him, I was like, look, man, I was like, the last anime season in 2017 had over a hundred different shows either continue, start, or wrap up. I was like. We couldn't 
take a bag of marbles and throw them and hit a hundred different anime back when we were trying to watch and find anime. Like Chris Sabat, a uh, voice actor for Vegeta Piccolo and a bunch of DBZ characters, super good guy. He was talking in an interview. He was like, when he started in voice acting, like you didn't say you did voices for anime characters. You were like, uh, 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 I, I do voices. And because people would be like, well, what, what do you do voices for? And he'd be like, balls uh, on Sunday mornings before Hercules the legendary journeys on Fox like now it's enormous and that feeds into that thing and I'm sorry I will never stop collecting anime because again like it's a thing that for me was rare it was super rare like when I went and found like in Saturday matinee which is a company that does not well it's a store that doesn't exist anymore under the label of FYE and Suncoast and I found that they had an anime section. You can believe I was buying things that I should not have been buying. Looking at you, Wicked City. But um, anyway. I, I think that you're saying what many of us geeks have felt. Because growing up, either these things were not available or, in my case a lot, uh, they were not allowed. <laughs> I am not spending a bunch of money on some Star Trek toys for you. No, that is a waste. Go play with your Fisher Price people. Uh, you know, it was, uh, and, and growing up, it was, you know, the games, the board games that you would play were like, you know, sorry and monopoly and scrabble and there was no european board game so now we're like oh this board game has a whole different set of rules let me try this one. Oh, and this one's also completely different let me buy this one and every there expansion no, there was no real access to like adult board games back yeah then like cards against humanity you would have got mm -hmm. run out on a like they would have oh my gosh like, can you imagine cards against humanity cards against humanity in like 1992 I couldn't even imagine apples to apples in, in 1992, <laughs> which is the clean version of Cards Against Humanity. Um, That's true. And a couple of the things um, that, you know, I'd always wanted as a kid that I was actually able to find is this is a uh, shadow <sighs> thermos. Mm. And I also have a rocketeer thermos. Oh, but I don't have the top, unfortunately. And so that's one of the cool things, whether it's online or even yard sales, because I think I, I've picked those up at a yard sale once and it was just, oh, I always wanted these. Or sometimes it's even uh, with uh, tagging off what Jason said, sometimes it's uh, replacements for things that we had as kids that ended up getting lost. If I ever find that thermos and lunchbox yellow with Kermit the Frog on it, I am going <laughs> to buy it. Because it, I was biking across the highway and it fell oh. and I couldn't stop and get it because cars were coming and it got run over and I cried. But yes, replacements, absolutely. Nope, let nope. me put you back on. Okay, so uh, you showed off those thermoses, which leads into my next question of what is the crown jewel of your geek collection? So mine's in my hands. I'm, I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of proud that I have these. But uh, that's Appleseed Volume 1, hmm. and that's nice. Appleseed Volume 3, Book 1, um, because Masamune Shiro is awesome. I also have the uh, the trade for Ghost in the Shell, which is my all-time favorite book of all time because it's Ghost in the Shell. And I, I hear that uh, th there are rumors uh, going around that people say that a live-action version of a movie of Ghost in the Shell was no, made. never happened. I, re I refuse to believe it exists. <laughs> I disbelieve 
it's the same thing that people keep trying to tell me that uh, after The Matrix came out, they made two sequels. No, they did not. That is a myth. I disbelieve. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about that, just look up our episode we did on whitewashing. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Like- Pretty sure like two or three episodes where he goes into that rant. Like it is just not episodes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just whitewashing. Is like half of it is is Ghost in the Shell. So what is hey, everyone's Jason? crown jewel? Jason, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, crown jewel. That that's kind of it's tough to say. Yeah, um, I know the most valuable thing that I have is a uh, basically a mint condition um, Jemmy's. Uh, bubbling sound making science thing that's valued at about ten grand. Wow! Um, now I'm I'm uh, also a haunter, so I love haunted houses. I do a haunted house um, for the neighborhood kids every year, and so I've got a bunch of like you know the uh, Halloween direction. Uh, 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 wow, what's the word? Decorations. Um, sorry, it's been a very long weekend. I've produced and emceed two shows, uh, burlesque shows in the past three days. Um, but, uh, uh, a lot of decorations and stuff. Um, so for me, that's one of them. Um, but it also kind of depends on like what, you know, whether it's value or emotional value that's placed into it. Uh, oh, these books, these books aren't worth peanuts. And I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure yeah. that when I bought them in the nineties, since then, uh, they haven't gotten any more value than what i paid for them i mean there's probably still 20 dollar books i don't care i own apple seed one that that to mm-hmm. me is 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 worth more than anything true i i think for me when it comes to emotional value it would probably be the and i don't have it anymore i was the very first skeleton that i purchased full-size skeleton um, I gave it to a buddy of mine who does a shadow cast and we used that skeleton in the very first shadow cast for the lost skeleton of Cadavra, And so that was the skeleton. So he tours with them whenever they do that at conventions and stuff. And if we're at the same convention, then I, I get to do the pre-show with the wonderful Billy Flynn from geek radio daily. But, uh, uh, that skeleton, because it was my very first one, um, that just meant so damn much to me. And so knowing that it's, he's getting his own life out there, still doing things even after his hip broke and all this stuff. And all he has to do is sit in a chair. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the fields where he's going out to stud for a skeleton. <laughs> I, you know, that, that story reminds me of what my crown jewel is not in my possession either. Mm. It is in my father's possession. I hope, hmm. um, the Sesame Street and Muppet puppets we had growing up. Uh, like how big? Full size or? Full size for hands. Kid hands or human? Or human, adult? like adult hands. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Grover felt amazing and, and looks screen accurate. Oh. And they, I'm sure they were purchased before I was born, most of them. Um I come from a large family and I am the seventh. So a lot of our toys were purchased long before I was born. <laughs> and um, while value wise, uh, I'm sure my dad's Lionel trains that he got when he was a kid are worth much more. Uh, sentimental wise, uh, those Muppets are definitely like I want those. Oh, but I will say the one that I own and actually this is probably even more would be uh and i share this with tech because marriage means he's half mine is rory the dragon or which is also a puppet <laughs> <Love Rory. laughs> um 
And uh, that is pure sentimentality. Uh, apparently, it was a collector's edition. We didn't know it at the time. It's hmm. not in any condition because we've restuffed him uh, that uh, collectors would care. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still have my original puppet. It was uh, one of those monkey puppets that wrapped around your neck and your waist. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I still have that. And that was something that uh, I, I think I probably got it when I was five. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, so it's at least 35 years old. And I still occasionally, uh, when I'm going through the garage, come across that box. Like, hey, what's in here? And I think I've specifically left that box unlabeled. So I open it up, see them like, oh, and play with them a little bit and stuff and, and put them back in. But I did have the chance to get a screen accurate animal puppet oh. yeah, uh, when I was 10. Nice. Because uh, my dad, living out in California, we'd go to the state fair fairgrounds where they would have the gun and knife shows. And so he would go over there and they'd always have the doll and coin show next door. Mm -hmm. So since my dad, you know, he shelled out for the gun show tickets um, and not just by flexing, he actually would. <laughs> but then I would sneak into the doll and coin show and then go around and look at all the action figures, the, the comics. And like I said, there was this one person who had that full puppet. And I was just like, cause he also had like a howdy doody and a uh, Edgar Bergen or a Charlie McCarthy. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was just like, oh, my, I want these. I want these. But, he, of course, you know, he was charging $300 for them each. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, that's not a thing that's happening. But every day I'm just like, ah. We never had Animal. Uh, I don't think we had anyone from um, the Electric Mayhem. Uh, hmm. I, did we have a Janice? We might have had a Janice. I can't remember. I know we had Perry Dawn. When I was a kid, I remember going to gun shows, and at the back would be a 50-gallon drum, a 55-gallon drum of captured World War II Japanese officer's swords. For 50 bucks, pick and mix. Grab what you Jeez. want, put it with the scabbard that you want, and just walk away with it. Uh, and I remember seeing, I remember one year seeing them for 50 bucks and thinking to myself, Yep, next year. Next year, I'll save up my Christmas money. I'll save up my birthday money, and I'll buy my, my officer's sword. I went back the next year. They had one left. They wanted $2,000 for it, and since then, they have all been completely unattainable. They are. Yep. Uh, Chinese repros are selling for 700 bucks. Yeah. Jeez. So that brings me to my next question, which is, uh, you know, we... See how it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go, go. I, I, I missed you. Hasn't he been hassled enough tonight? I know. Really? I know. No. No, actually, not at all. Um, actually, what's really funny is I have a lot of things that I, growing up, like my crowning jewel would have changed, but sentiment plus, I would say, I don't, I don't even know value. I haven't checked it out, but I have two. Mint condition still in the cardboard box with the plastic zip ties holding them in hmm. care bears <laughs> wow i have cheer heart uh hopefully Tech's sister is not listening to yeah. this because you might kill you for those yeah and i have grumpy bear Oh, Grumpy Bear. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on a second. Cheerheart, that's not from the original line, okay? Come on now. Uh, they were originally bears. Those were after the movie. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, the cousins are cool, okay? Leave the Care Bear cousins alone. No, oh, my God. Don't talk about the cousins because I'm so mad because I remember it. I know I couldn't have been more than five years old, and I remember this so much because I loved the Care Bears. I owned all the mm -hmm. movies. I, did. I loved them, and I wanted a brave heart lion. Of and, course you did. And they never got me one. I got I got I got Grumpy Bear and I got the the bear with the rainbow on its on its tummy and I was so upset. Hey Tech, but, where's your Swift Heart? 
uh, in the tub with the rest of the stuff. He's oh, okay. I have a my, my sister um, when my sister got married um, for a little while. She had a, a pretty good little side business she was doing of uh, buying. Uh, she was buying Care Bears and Popples, if you remember those. <laughs> and uh, she would buy them and uh, touch them up a little bit. And uh, she'd buy them. She'd buy the ones that were cheap for like two, three dollars, and then she'd sell them to collectors. And she was making quite a decent amount of bank. And she ended up buying me a, a really nice Swift Heart Rabbit, which was always my favorite growing up. And now I have him on the uh, cousins in, were the stuff, man. Yeah, but uh, and and the, the 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 one, and I had to abuse it when she finally got it because it was always my favorite. But the popples, they were these little, these cute little stuffy marsupial creatures, and you could grab them by the pouch and just sort of like flip them inside out into their pouch and just sort of like throw them around. But they had one where the inside of the pouch was decorated like a soccer ball. So when you <laughs> flipped him inside out, he turned into a little stuffy soccer ball, which I kicked around the house and I kicked at her cats. And um, oh, yeah, I was mean to that thing. It You're was a great so big brother. I What's know, the I, other one, I, uh, Jason? Well, Hold on, I just love the that basically you admitted your sister had a black market popple situation going on. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, she flipped her popples. <laughs> yeah, she was a popple flipper. Yo, man, you need some popples? What you got? I got all kinds of popples. Yeah, I would. Ha- I would say, but I would have to say the thing that to me, just to me, is my crowning jewel. It would probably have to be, and I'm pretty sure he's emptied of his stuffing and it's just an empty sack sitting in, in my attic at my old house but it's my three and a half foot stuffed michelangelo <laughs> yes that is painting position or yeah. chiseling is oh the ninja turtle okay. right <laughs> absolutely ninja turtle because it was and what's really great is there is a picture in my house of me sitting on the lap of one of these, you know, you know, guy in a costume, Leonardo Ninja Turtles, and I look furious. <laughs> I look like I look like I want to karate kick this dude in his groin because he is not Michelangelo. I was sold a bill of goods that there was going to be Ninja Turtles at the at the mall, and I could go get a picture with them. And I was like, yes, picture with Michelangelo. But no, it was that crap Leonardo. No one oh. likes. <laughs> Leonardo. So it's not that you knew it wasn't actually a Ninja Turtle. It's that it was Leonardo. Yes, exactly. It is not that it was a dude in costume. It was the fact that it was not Michelangelo. You Jason, just came at the wrong time. They yeah. had broken it into four they, shifts. They, then he goes did, behind the scenes did. and changes the colors. They do. They did. Like they did. <laughs> like really? <laughs> yes. Like. Throughout the week, there was different turtles, and my family just took me on the Leo day. I was so <laughs> mad. Yeah, they probably took you, like, on a Monday. Uh, Jason, you need to send me that picture so I can use it as the album art. <laughs> oh, man. I'll, I, I've actually got to – I might go to Ronald tomorrow. I might, I might see so, my, Can you my... just take that picture and put it over his avatar for the entire show? Yes, <laughs> exactly. So uh, when we go to cons and different events – a lot of times you can get some pretty cool toys that you're not going to find in any of the stores or online or whatever without extensive research. Uh, although that's getting more and more rare these days, uh, individual items at cons. I mean, they're, they're selling pops and all the same stuff. But what is the best toy that you've picked up at a con or an event? And uh, while you guys are thinking, I'm going to cheat, sort of, <laughs> this is my wand 
that I got last year at Balticon that was hand turned by Starla Hutchin. I was, I was about to ask, is that a Starla original? It is a Starla original. Uh, I don't believe it's from her first batch, but it is from the first few months that she was turning. And it fits my hand like a glove. And it has a whole backstory and history that is written out on calligraphy that's in the other room. Mm-hmm. And, and it it's works. fantastic. And it she, works. She turned me into a newt. I got better. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. So... What is the best thing that you've gotten at a con? And uh, by the way, in the chat, Aaron Jackson says, a newt? Yeah, I got better, Jax. Don't worry. <laughs> um, was it the type of newt that survived an alien incursion? On uh, No, not, no yeah, I didn't turn into a little blonde girl. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, that, that's what, what the spell was supposed to do. Turned me into if, an amphibian. If turning into a little blonde girl got me tucked in with Sigourney Weaver, I'll take it. <laughs> That's true. So no, my uh, my favorite thing that I got at a con uh, was uh, going around a, a couple of different anime cons to the dealers' room where all the artists were, where they were taking commissions, and I was in my whole plague doctor getup, and I would commission them to do a drawing. They're like, "Well, which character do you want me to draw?" I'd say me, and I would happily pose for them, and I would just have them draw me, and uh. Some of them uh, really played with the pose. Some of them, uh, you know, they, they, uh, one girl did this amazing job where she drew. She goes, your, your, your costume was missing something. I added a cape. And it's like, damn, now I need to add a cape because it looks so bad. Donkey. <laughs> but the, uh, that, the, you don't have to bleep that one. It's, in, con- it's in context. You're fine. <laughs> the Bible, it's fine. <sighs> I don't believe bad donkey is in the Bible. Bad dunk. No, I believe it was called Ottinger. Is the <laughs> there we go. I see some sonic screwdrivers yes. on a question so, mark shelf, which is awesome. So this is the Doctor Who wall. But so it's a Cyberman and a Dalek. You can't really see because that fell apparently. But it's a giant question mark, as you can see. Yes. Uh, inside are. Oh, one of my derpy kids flipped at Sonic Sky. They will get a scolding later. So I've got the uh, steampunk, uh, steampunk Sonic screwdriver. Got Tenet screwdriver. That's the pen. That is the pen. Correct. We have that got one as well. The, uh, let's hear. That would be Smith's Sonic screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And then my wow, geez, Louise, my kids have been screwing around with all of this. That's a little um, uh, whipping little angel Lego angel. minifig. Yeah, the Lego minifig thing. It's knockoff Lego, whatever it is. A little uh, TARDIS that it spins and stuff like that. It's got the Masters uh, or the pocket watch that the Doctor kept his uh, essence in. Yep. Yep. And, of course, the Masters ring. But from the convention circuit. That's cool. This, this is uh, one of my favorites uh, from, the, from the con circuit. So, you know, the, the burnt piece that somebody made and was selling them. Uh, I believe, if you are interested in your own, it's props by Jake, a member of the Pineapple Shaped Lamps, a fantastic group. But then go Facebook props by Jake to get one of those for yourself. That's cool. That is awesome. Now, your Matt Smith uh, Sonic Screwdriver, that's the one that fully extends, which is very cool. We oh, have yeah. the one that is an actual screwdriver as well. It's a multi-screwdriver on the bottom. It doesn't work like that, okay? Yeah. It's all Hollywood stuff. Okay? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great, though. <laughs> but, uh, ooh. 
Yeah, yeah. See, ours doesn't open up like that. So but you definitely. take the cap off the other end, and it is an actual screwdriver. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. yours actually has a purpose. That's yeah, the yeah. reason my mind's sitting there. <laughs> so, Jason, what's your uh, con find? Gosh. <sighs> Can we talk about how he shrieked and totally fangirled when he got his books autographed by Nathan Lowell? There's Dude, that. No, no, actually... <laughs> <laughs> or or is it any of your voice actor interviews? Because I guess that would kind of count, too. Man, honestly, <laughs> like, just because, honestly, like, I love Richard Epcar and he's up there, but he's not number one. And he's the only reason he's not number one, as much as I love Richard Epcar and I love him doing Bateau and so many other voices, it's got to be Debbie Derryberry, who did the voice of Neutron. <laughs> but the only reason is because... I think I've talked, we talked about them in the podcast. My mom passed back in 2007, 2008. And we, when I was growing up, we used to watch all the Jim Varney um, Ernest movies. <laughs> yes. And Debbie Derryberry got her start in voice acting on Ernest Goes to Camp when they did ADR work for the young kids. And she was recommended by Jim Varney. It was a little thing she told me during wow. the interview I did with her. And it just blew me away that it's such a small world. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, it was such a great moment. And it's probably got to be my favorite con moment. My she's favorite. the voice of Rio Oki. Okay, I know her now. Yeah. Yes. It, it, dude, she's she's done so much stuff. She's mm -hmm. a wonderful lady. And it's probably that. Like, Richard Epcar would be definitely probably be second to that because I've met him twice. <laughs> the first time, I forgot the brand new hundred some dollar h2n zoom mic i bought specifically <laughs> to record interviews at cons and i forgot it and he was the only guest that year that was like oh you just want to sure let's go to the business center and i'll i'll gladly interview you and i'm like sorry sir i forgot my microphone <laughs> i'll probably never see you again and lo and behold like two or three years later him and his wife both sit down with me after a crazy day at a convention and I and I and I get to interview them and I also get nutty probably her greatest ever soundbite for a podcast ever. Yes, yes. That's when uh Richard Epcar says that he loves me. Aww. Yes. So um hmm? by the way, can't have Richard Siegfried and 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 Epcar in the same room because I'm pretty sure the world would explode if those two voices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There'd be some good voices working together, I'll tell you that much. Uh so here is a question at the heart of the matter of geek toys and collectibles. Do you keep them in the packaging or do you take them out? I'm having a fight right now because I bought that curio cabinet and I don't know if I needed, if I should take my pops out or leave them in the package. And this is the hurts. This is the, I think it's an individual choice and I, it, it all depends what you're collecting them for. Uh, for me, a toy is meant to be played with. And um, by toy, I, I, I expand that to mean anything that you don't need to live, but you have anyway. So you get some enjoyment out of using it. Ergo, it's a toy. <clears throat> Excuse me. A geek is anyone who is unashamed about their passions. You can be a geek about knitting, about lawn care, about gardening, about cooking, about guns or knives or about 10,000 other things. So... If you buy something to put on your shelf and look at and not interact with, well, that's fine. If if that's if that's the enjoyment that you get out of it is looking at it. Me, I'm a I'm a tactile kind of guy. 
the the idea of buying a toy and putting it on a shelf and not being able to play with it uh, bothers me. I mean, I buy knives for my kitchen so I can cut things. I buy. Uh, I I went to a uh, an antique store a while ago and I found a 1950s vintage uh, Lyman reloading press for peanuts. They had no idea what they had on their shelf, and I, I brought it over to my dad's house, we cleaned it up, and now I've got a vintage reloading press. And guess what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to reload ammo with it. I'm not going to put it on my shelf and stare at it. I'm going to use the thing. And you're not going to sell it for, like, much no, more, which you no. could. No, and th- this whole idea of, uh, you know, keeping keeping things on your shelf because one day maybe it'll be that rare Mickey watch that'll sell for $250,000 or you know thinking that that comic that comic book you bought in 1996 at the height of the comic craze is somehow going to turn into action comics number 1 here's a hint guys it's not yeah. none of them are uh, yeah, in, the, in the collector's world now nothing is truly rare yeah. No. Um, there's everything is, I mean, one of the things that killed the comics industry in the uh, early nineties was all of the variant covers and them charging more for this and that and the other. And it, it almost completely wiped out the comics industry. And nowadays action figures and stuff like, yeah, some of them are going to be uh, released in minimum numbers, but you know, people who want them will find them. And the problem is that the more rare they are, the more expensive they are. Only a very small subsect of people will be able to get those. And stuff that are mass produced, people, everybody keeps a handle on it because they're thinking that it might be that super rare thing that they'll be able to make a million dollars off of. And you're circling right back to the Beanie Baby bubble mm-hmm. that ended up just like, oh, okay, you can get them for a. a, a a box of them for a nickel at any yard sale. It's it's the collecting industry doesn't work like that anymore. So yeah, I totally agree with uh, me personally. I like to take them out of the box, lick them, put them back in the box, and then look at them whenever lick I want them. to. But it's, um, it's, they're not lickamade. Oh, it's not. I'm sorry, not. Oh, hmm. All right. let me do the. No, uh, they uh, like some of the stuff I get specifically to look at. Um, some of the stuff. Uh, I don't play with because I'm not a child. Um, the <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so for me, it, it's really just I get stuff that I like to look at, um, just because I, I, you know, if it's within reach, uh, you, you know, and the kids want to play with it, chances are they're probably going to break it, and then I won't have it anymore, and then it won't look as cool. But I, I like to kind of display things, and so I've I've transitioned to getting things that are meant to be looked at versus things that are have articulation or posing and can can be played with. Mm. But I think that there's a lot of really awesome things that you can play with. Yeah. Uh, so Jack says in the chat there, uh, I licked it, therefore I own it. That's the right <laughs> logic right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I um I, I don't know how many friends of mine I've seen uh, coworkers that. You know, they they got serious with a girl or when they started having kids, all of a sudden, you know, they sell the PlayStation, get rid of all their comic books. And it's like, no, it's time to grow up. I even met a girl once who uh, cut her hair after getting married because, quote, it's inappropriate for a married woman to have long hair. Come on. You know that. 
And well, this was not a religious person. No, and this wasn't the 1840s. Yeah. Uh, so I have no idea what was going on here. But um, th- this whole idea that growing up means you have to immediately throw away everything you yeah. knew as a kid is wrong. The only well, person that gets to define what an adult is, is you. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're taking care of yourself and you're taking yeah. care of the people that you're responsible absolutely for, absolutely for if you're if you're paying if you're paying your bills you, you've got your, your life is going on and everything is safe and secure but you choose to have fun by playing with action figures or you know bringing mm-hmm. let's say bringing absolutely. a nerf gun to the office to shoot your coworkers with because it's hilarious yeah it was required when i worked at the epa <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and you know right now we've got a we've got a little mini nerf war that's uh, that's starting and i i found that all of our students have been stashing nerf wars in the dorms and that uh, <laughs> there's a there's a war there's a staff versus student war that will uh, erupt soon when you when you come to visit i've got something for you to take back just it was it was a purchase I made for a, for cosplay purposes, and I just haven't had the time to actually sand it and and then repaint it and finish it. So I'll I'll repurpose it to your war. It's fine. So uh, yeah, and, uh, and just one last yeah. thing, Nutty, just to tag off that yeah. um, with the with me donating my Star Wars stuff, it was really just because I was kind of I was kind of done with that. And I, when I was younger, I never thought I would do that, but. Ultimately, what it was doing was all it was doing was taking up space in my garage. And I realized that if I I I was having an opportunity to kind of pay it forward and stuff, I completely agree. I think that if somebody's spouse makes them sell them like, no, you can easily just box it up. That's not saying that at some point in time, you're not going to be in the picture. But at some point in time, that might be something that you want to pass on to somebody else. Video game systems, if you don't play them, uh, box them up because at some point in time, you might want to play them. The the other side to that is uh, I've known some folks that had to sell parts of their collection just because money got tight. Yeah. Life circumstances happened, and that was something that got them to, to, to float on. Well, and that but, goes back to the whole, you define what an adult is as mm-hmm. long as you're taking care of yourself. I mean, if exactly. if you can't move out of mom's basement because of your pop addiction, your pop figure mm-hmm. addiction, uh, that that's going to be a problem. But you're paying your bills, you're doing your thing. There's nothing wrong with having things that make you happy. And should it matter if it's... Uh, uh, spending money at the garden center or spending money at, you know, the toy store. You know, we do both. And I, I, I've talked about this because again, I work at GameStop. I work in retail and a lot of people, I've had people come in and say that, you know, I'm getting rid of this or I'm trading it in because, you know, I'm an adult now and this is kid stuff. And I always go to the same story and it's not even a story. It's, it's, it's real life happening currently. I have a guy who's a regular of mine, comes in, he's probably in his early 80s, if not older, got a PlayStation 4, and he absolutely loves video games. And he's and it's not just like the Call of Duties or the shoot-em-ups, like I can pick this up and put this down type video games. This dude loves RPGs. I'm talking about Nier Automata. I'm talking about Persona 5. I'm talking about the Berserk... Um, um, the Berserk Band of the Hawk uh, Dynasty Warriors clone game. Like, this is the type of stuff he's getting into. And he comes in, when he comes in, I know what he's looking for and I can recommend things for him. And this is a guy, in, you know, again, in his 80s. That's a know? lot of faith yeah. in, in his health that if he's in his 80s and starting some of these RPGs, yeah. yes. I'm going to be able to beat it. 
Well, and and we've talked about uh, Tech's mother's introduction to video games later in life, and how you know she's got she's got the Wii U, she's got the uh, the the Game Boy, she's got all the different things. Yeah, mom didn't start gaming till her mid fifties. Yeah, and she is hooked, and she plays all the different things, and she gets past uh, most games yeah. further than uh, Tech ever did. Well, I, my, my mom's uh, big big pleasure in video games is games where you explore and find things and have to find secrets and things. So when she was like making her way through every Zelda game. I'm like, Mom, I got another one. It's, it involves a little bit of shooting, but it's an explore game. I think you'll like it. It's called Metroid Prime. So, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, so, mo- so Mom started playing the Metroid Prime series, and uh, both my mom and I are night owls. We're insomniacs. We don't sleep. And uh, my mom calls me one night at like midnight. It's like, are you sleeping? I said, of course not. What's up? She goes, well, I'm having a problem in my game. I'm wondering if you can help me. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, well, I'm in Metroid Prime. I can't beat Ridley. I'm like, Mom, I've never made it to Ridley. You're beyond me. I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, Google it, Ma. Google it. By the way, uh, Tech's mother did reenact Grand Theft Auto once on Tech when he was picking her up at work once. It was hilarious. She Still told the him. Car, beat him up thinking she was, he was a hooker. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, no, exactly that. Uh, I had, uh, I was home for a long weekend. I had brought my PlayStation to my parents' house. I set it up in the basement. Uh, my mom was working nights at uh, the mall as a cleaner at the time. And um, so she was going to work uh, 4 to 12. I was going to pick her up at midnight. So for the afternoon, uh, I'm playing games in the basement. Mom is just sitting on the couch knitting and we're talking and we're having a conversation. And she's watching me play, uh, was it GTA 3 at the time? Yeah. And I go to pick her up at midnight, and I pull up to the door to the mall, and instead of walking to the passenger door, mom walks around the car to the driver's door, opens the door, grabs me by the shirt, and she goes, get the hell out of the car, and starts pulling me out. Like, mom, what are you doing? She's like, I watched you play that game all afternoon. I thought it was the thing that we did now. (laughs) Mom! It was... What's your mom's email address? I want to send her the hot coffee mod. (laughs) (laughs) It was... Jason, how dare you say that? Hysterical. She is, she is, she's hysterical. It's it's fantastic. So, um, I too believe that you need to take things out of the package. Uh, There is a great line that Geek Acres has said uh, on his now uh, defunct podcast about toys, uh, and it's that uh, friends don't belong in plastic prisons. Uh, and I think that they should be shared and enjoyed. Uh, and uh, share and enjoy. Share and enjoy. I've uh, seen Toy Story too. I know what happens when they come out of their packages. Exactly. So uh, I I also think that um, you know, as many of us have this issue of having too many things, uh, yeah, giving them away, uh, spreading that love, and 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 getting rid of some of them. Is great because then you have more room to enjoy other things and new things. I had several hundred dollars in modified Nerf guns that I had been building for years with no real purpose other than the joy of modifying and repainting Nerf guns. And upon moving, instead of bringing them with me, I donated them all to my friend's five-year-old son. But to watch the joy on his face at my going away party when he brought the whole trunk of guns and I kept one for myself and I ambushed him in the front door of the house and started a four hour nerf war between all the kids and the adults. From the beginning of the, from the moment he came to the moment he left, there was a continuous nerf war going on. There's nothing like grilling ribs while dodging nerf darts. It was fantastic. (laughs) And the adults would go in and out 
but the kids just kept going the whole time and it was fantastic. So Jack says in the chat um, that uh, he and his wife were having the same conversation about the collectible Star Wars drones they got during Christmas. Ultimately, yes, they agree. They're meant to be played with. So these drones got out. They got to fly. And I'm going to sit here and say, if you have a drone or something, that really needs to be used. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's not a collectible. That is a thing. Yeah. That, that, yeah. So, we had at work, we had a Millennium Falcon drone, and I almost bought it. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, it was one of those moments where you're just sitting there going, I don't need that at all. But. So I think we've kind of touched on uh, one of my other points was, you know, what makes something a toy? Tech has said that it's anything that you don't need to live. Uh, I say it's anything that brings you joy that's not a tool. Mm-hmm. So my pens still technically count as a tool, right? They're no, not but toys. tools can be completely <laughs> toys. You, know, oh, you mean all those boxes on my bookshelf downstairs? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that anything that isn't that, that its sole purpose is that it brings you pleasure. Yeah. That it makes you happy. It it satisfies you. It fulfills you. I have and that's a... not something that you use to then be fulfilled. So like a pen, if drawing is your thing, I think a pen is not a collectible unless it's something that just sits on the shelf because the, uh, a, a pen is a tool that brings you happiness. So I, I don't, like if you're using it and it can run out, I don't really think of it as a collectible um, if, if that's how you use it, if you have a very nice expensive pen and you keep it on a shelf or something like that, then that becomes a collectible. But I've got, you know, I've got a shed and a back room full of tools Yeah. and you know, I build knives and I tinker on little projects and I build things and you know, the, the time in my workshop with the music going, working away, you know, every single thing in that shop is a toy. Cause as, uh, as Rich was saying, it's bringing you pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think well, yeah, no, no, I, I com- you know, it, uh, strike what I said, edit what I said out. Uh, completely. <laughs> no, because that's that's also the thing. Like, you know, uh, tools like you know wrenches, a hammer. Those sure you collect tools to use them for things. The tool may not be a collectible, and maybe that's the definition yeah. between a collectible and things we collect. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. Just to throw that out there as, as a potential existential crisis, um, because I think like, yeah, the tools, because like I, I hate building things because it's just a pain in the butt and I'm always worried that things are going to fall over. But I put in a lot of work in building the things that I use for my haunts. So and, and I have a collection of tools to be able to do those things. And even though I don't necessarily like building, I like the effect of the things once they're built, you know. Yep. So if somebody smarter than me can extrapolate that into the actual thought that was in my head, feel free. But I think that that maybe that might be a little bit of a distinction between, um, you know, what is the difference between a collectible and things that we collect? Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, as we were saying before, the, the whole toy collectible value game, unless it's something very specific or a mistake, I feel like that that's over. And uh, Rich had mentioned the Beanie Baby thing earlier. And I remember what made the Beanie Baby really valuable is if the tag was in pristine condition. And after like a year or two of them being out, they started coming with little plastic protectors for the tag. Mm-hmm. And that's when you knew it was over. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, and also I think like 
Because, you know, there were, back in the day, there were conventions, but a lot of it was, you know, science fiction, very niche conventions, you know, the Star Trek, the Star Wars type deals. But now that they've become so prevalent and you have the access to meet the people who, you know, create and voice these characters and things that you enjoy, that also has sparked, you know, kind of a revelation with collectible items you know like you know rich was talking about earlier that he had the the writer of some of the deadpool comics sign the deadpool you know pops that he had and it's those type of moments that feed into your collection that 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 allow you or in your brain justify you saying oh man that 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 two hundred dollar diva figure i want from overwatch i totally got her voice actress voice actress to sign it it's great and it's those type of things that, you know, didn't happen as often back, you know, when, you know, nerdy things weren't as prevalent. But now that they've gotten so huge and so popular and so prevalent, you can do that now. And that definitely spurs you on to say, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. And I mean, if I could, I, I, I will. I'm, at some point, I'm going to try to get it done. But I've got a... A book. It's a. It's called Osama Tezuka, the God of Manga. It's by Helen McCarthy, um, and it's a book talking about uh, Osama Tezuka. They consider him the God of Manga. He wrote Astro Boy and a bunch of different things. And um, I want her to sign that book. If I could, if he was still alive, I would get Osama Tezuka to sign it. But it's those type of things that definitely. Sp- you know, push you into wanting to get these things because it. You know it. It's kind of it's very cathartic to be like, man, I got this really cool thing, this really unique thing, and not only is it rare, unique, and cool, but the person who made it or the person it's made for or about also signed it. Yeah, you've you've got a connection now, and it may become sentimental. And I think the sentimentality of it is where the real value is. Well, you know, I think also it can be that we know our memories are fleeting. Mm-hmm. And that it's easy, even things that meant so much to us at one point will eventually fade away or it, it takes something to recall that. So I'm wondering if we like getting the signatures so we have tangible proof of this thing that was so outside of the ordinary, outside mm-hmm. of the norm. Because um, there's some, it, because of uh, this this show and this topic, I started thinking about stuff that I have. And I'm remembering stuff that I was like, holy crap, I I haven't thought about that in years. I had forgotten that that was a thing that happened. But because I have that autograph, I know, because I'm, I'm not an autograph hound, but there are yeah. some people that are very important to me. And I realized like, oh, crap. Oh, that's right. I did get to meet that person. I actually got to hang out with that person. It wasn't just a mom. It was an actual, it was a thing that was very important to me, but I had already kind of assimilated that into my life and kind of moved on for new experiences. Yeah, Absolutely. Dude, it's 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 you know tech talked about it earlier when i i fanboyed for nathan lowell but what's funny is i didn't fanboy anywhere near as hard for nathan lowell as i did when i forgot my own name when i met mer lafferty like, it is, <laughs> like, like, it is, like it's those moments right like i bought her afterlife series in in all the book forms it, it, the the five books that it came out in i ordered them from the bookstore that was in north carolina near where she lives and she used to go in and sign them and stuff like that and i bought them specifically to take the baltic and get her to sign and i absolutely just 
pew, shot off into space, man. <laughs> Tripping out. Don't know what I'm doing. And but what the hell? Oh, when you met me, you were like, sup. Sup. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably... he, he forgot everything else he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's those experiences, I think, that also feed into it, man. It's, it's because you can't recreate those experiences. Like, you can never get you can never do that again like i can never you'll never be a first time con goer again oh absolutely absolutely it's it's and you know and it's those moments that make it so good and because you you not only do you connect and like you said to those memories and they're fleeting but also it's rare like you don't you know we consume so much that to have something touch us and be so precious to us that it causes those moments make them even better. I mean, I remember when I first met PG. Mind you, I'm pretty sure he was in a bush. No, he wasn't in the bush. That was Tony. No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. PG wasn't in the bush. Tony was in the bush. But later, PG, Tony, and Tech humped a car. No. That sounds about right. Tech and Tony pumped Pump PG's car because it was a right. sexy, it was a sexy little car. It was a Cooper <laughs> S, man. She was looking at me. She was making them eyes with them headlights. She wanted See, that, it. And it's those, it's it's that right there, like that. He'll never forget car. those things, though. I remember exactly. the first time I met PG. Hi, I'm Patrick. Hi, PG. I know who you are. It's <laughs> <laughs> those moments. It's those encapsulated moments that make collecting and keeping these memories in a material form so precious. And it's yes. great. Like, I mean, and it's it's kind of when you were talking about before we podcast about Balticon. It's like Balticon was my first con. Like it was literally it was I'm sorry, it was my second con. But it was the first con I ever went to where I got to meet all these people that I had read and listened to their books. And then I got introduced to more people, and it was a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Very vicious cycle. And you met and me. It, <laughs> indeed, I did. Mind you, by the way, once we get off here, I'll, I can recant the story of my first meeting with Tech and Lulu. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's again, it's all of that. That makes yeah. collecting and keeping these things so great. They're, they are they are mementos There's of a, our life experiences. There was a book called Angry White Pajamas that was written in the '90s about the martial art that Nutty and I study. In the book, uh, the the book is about a uh, an Oxford poet named Robert Twigger who goes to Japan to study this martial art in this intense eleven month training program, and he doesn't have a fun time. And he doesn't make a lot of friends. And the, the whole book is about the trials and tribulations of you know learning the martial art of the Tokyo Riot Police. And he doesn't have a fun time. And he makes a lot of enemies. And he he holds no punches, literally, in his book about the people that he does not like, including one of his classmates whom he nicknamed the Mad Dog because the guy was just brutal and the worst person ever. And he hates his the eyes. Mad Dog. And he never names names. He just calls these people by their nicknames. Well, I've met the Mad Dog. His name is Nick Mills. We are friends with him. We he are friends with Nick. And, and uh, students. We've, I've, <laughs> I've drank at his house. I have been to his class. He's a six-degree black belt now. He runs a club in Mississauga, Ontario. And uh, we've, we've gone to a couple of classes. And more than getting him to autograph the book as the Mad Dog... <laughs> 
I got a chance to feel his Aikido, and I got a chance to, like, no holds barred, like, it was, Tech, try to punch the mad dog. Okay, and I did it again and again and again, and every time he threw me harder and harder and harder, and getting a chance to take Ukemi for Nick Mills-sensei is worth more than a million autographs and worth more than... You know, handshakes with booth babes or hover hand photographs with the pretty con girls and, you know, everything else I, I've done that to me that you, it's what, what we're talking, you know, that personal experience. That and how, I, how many signatures of people from that book do you have? I have in your two book right in that Only book. Two? Okay. two. I'm waiting to meet Spike. Uh, every Again. T- every time I go to see him, I forget the book. Oh. But um, yeah. And his. um his one defense against a hand grab was to just full on smack me across the face. Um, <laughs> I was not expecting that. It was quite effective, especially for the wrist lock that followed. But uh, yeah, um, that was a that was a wake up call. But then afterwards, we went and drank beer and had a great time. So and 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 to be fair, uh, his aikido is is hard aikido. It's it's but the, the Japanese style instruction the, the mad dog but he's a teddy bear yeah the mad dog by the way is a high school humanities teacher and probably the nicest guy on the planet and a great educator like yeah. it, it may be hard but you're learning and he's making sure you understand that nothing's mean it's great uh so on that note uh we've gone a little longer than I planned Yay. but thank you very much uh for everyone joining us rich do you have any shout outs anything that anybody this month piqued your fancy and you think people should check out um, you know what? If you're not watching the television show LA to Vegas, it's a delight. Uh, check that out. Actually, better yet, uh, watch The Tick on Amazon. Uh, cause that needs more seasons. I don't know if it needs more viewers, but everybody should watch it. It's fantastic. It's a delight. Um, uh, as per podcasts or anything like that, um, I've been actually going through the back catalog of, uh, of never not funny because I had I took a, a, a few months off from that, so I'm catching up, and that's Jimmy Pardo's podcast. Basically, nothing that really needs pimping on that. So yeah. I've got things to pimp on my own side, but when it comes to other people's stuff, I mean, uh, honestly, here's here's what I would say: go out and find live performance art, whether it's comedy, burlesque, dancing, drum circles, no matter what it is, go out and support it because we do all the online stuff, we do all the collecting stuff, but remember to go out and create an art of some sort or at least intake it because that's a great way to kind of fill up your batteries I don't know where our listeners live but I guarantee you that where they live is an amazing live community of artists and mm-hmm. musicians they, they just are, don't know that it's there you do, just don't know it's there and if you find them it is amazing what happens at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday in a dingy coffee shop at that part of town that you never go to there is some amazing music out there to be found mm-hmm uh, Tech, do you have anything to? Uh, everybody I I that I've been watching has over five hundred thousand subscribers on Twitch and YouTube, so they don't need my help. Um, uh, other than that, I've been watching reruns. Uh, no, you guys know what I like. Okay, and oh, uh, I did, I did, wait, I did think of a shout out. I did think of one. Go ahead, Matricula. Go to matricula.com or twitch.com slash matricula. Uh, she is the founder of the sane, safe, sane, consensual clown posse. Um, she does these delightful, uh, funny songs, and she also does some let's play stuff on her um, on her stream. 
And she also does a uh, Naughty Ladies Knitting Circle where they knit vulvas and clitori. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, she's, she's awesome. She's one of my favorite people in the world. So, yes, check her out. Matricula.com, M-E-T-R-I-C-U-L-A.com or twitch.com slash matricula. Awesome. And uh, Jason? Well, big shout out. And it's, 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 a, it's a little bit of a personal one to me. Um, guys, go check out. Um, she's done work for me. As a matter of fact, um, several of my logos for the podcast she's done. Her name is Tiffany Gonzalez. You can find her at tiffanygonzalez.carbonmade.com. Check out her artwork. Check out her commissions and get some stuff done. She's wonderful. And she is absolutely marvelous. Um, she's Matter of fact, she's she sent me an email because I haven't had a chance to adjust an order I got from her because of just time, work, and some things. And she's been absolutely understanding. Her artwork is great. In fact, um, if you notice the the Halloween Horror Fest logo, the original Talk Nerdy Talk Nerdy to Me uh, logos were done by her at AFO um, Anime Con in Florida. Um, check her out. She's absolutely marvelous. A wonderful, wonderful person and great artist. And of course, you can always find me and all of the stuff we do at talknerdytomepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdy to me. And of course, you can yet. find me on at nerdy to me podcast. I'm doing it now because, because, just because. Uh, and so I want to throw a shout out to, uh, Jessica May's first live performance. If you are in Southern Ontario, go check out the Red Harg uh, this Friday, March 23rd at 9 p.m. Unfortunately, we are not going to be able to make it because we're on our way to see a certain big bear. Uh, But if you are not in Southern Ontario, uh, all of the clips will be available on YouTube later. And you can check that out by going to Skinner. Dot FM. Uh, now, where can people find you on the internet? Not Jason. Rich, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> well, you can find information about the uh, art collective that I that I started with my producing partner, Mistress Jinx. Or you can find us at facebook.com slash creativity out of context. And we've nice. got all sorts of art. And uh, we also do uh, tables at conventions. And you can check out our artists' work um, there. Also, facebook.com slash boomstick burlesque to find out where uh, we are producing a show next. Uh, for me, you can find my artwork at imadeanart.com. And of course, <laughs> you can listen one. to me uh, Tuesday through Friday at geekradiodaily.com. Ding. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, check out our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash geekradiodaily, because we've got all kinds of cartoons and sketches and field reports from conventions and all kinds of content there. Tech, anywhere you want to send people to find you? Uh, all my stuff's at nimlos.org as all soon right. as I start uploading content again. You will hear all those links on the outro. And one quick addendum. Also, I do want to thank all of the patrons who have been supporting us. And because of your support, uh, we have two episodes a month instead of just one, which is what the original incarnation of this podcast was. And I think we might be getting close to a year of two episodes a month. So that's pretty cool. So we want to thank our newest Big Daddy, Dave. And we want to thank our longstanding Big Daddy, Jason. Thanks, daddies. And uh, they get that title for being our top tier donators. People as sugar daddies. That's awesome. Oh, sugar daddy, big daddy. Rich, the best part about that is, right? 
Nutty was talking about how she needed to reach a certain goal so that they could do two episodes uh, a month. So I immediately was like, done. I got, it. I got this. <laughs> Guess what, Nutty? Two episodes a month. Bam. That's you fantastic. Know, be on a lot of those. <laughs> hey, it helps. It helps. You, you. And now my my dear and longtime friend Dave the Jedi Wookie has uh, decided to step his game up and yeah. uh, has also become a top tier donator. And now there's going to be a battle of the big daddies. <laughs> yeah, and it helps that they're both uh, very but, tall men, but both very tall, very real sized gentlemen. So uh, it's going to uh, be. A, but we also so want to do a pay per view coleslaw fight, right? Yeah. Oh <laughs> yes. We're debating a uh, a uh, a uh, Patreon exclusive basketball game, but then we realized that we're all old men. So we just <laughs> it, been gay and like, oh god, I can't even get in the post and like fall over. That I'd love to. See, I'd love to see the two of you play basketball. It'd be the slowest basketball game in history, <laughs> with no no jump shot, no jumping whatsoever. Just two old six footers going. Uh, uh. My knees. All right. So we also want to thank Susanna and Andy Luke. And we want to thank our QC guy, Jax, who's also in the chat. Thank you, Jax. We want to thank our super fan, Shane. We want to thank Beth. We want to thank the radical geek, Stephen Pritchard, who is going under the knife tomorrow. We have best thoughts and wishes for you. And hopefully by the time this is posted, everything is good. We want to thank Rich the TT. We want to thank Mike. We want to thank King Kennedy. We want to thank Lynette. We want to thank Justine. You can check out her photos on Patreon. Uh, We want to thank Susan, Melissa, the bathtub mermaid, Jason's favorite. Uh, Kinsey, Ian, Harold, Patrick, and often Nick. And I lost tech. Uh, So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye. Bye. If you like audiobooks and science fiction, you should be listening to Glow in the Dark Radio for free science fiction audio adventure every week. Written and read by author and radio host Mike Luoma. Me. As an up-and-coming independent writer, I share my work for free each week, chapter by chapter, to get you into my science fiction, I hope. Check out all my books at GlowInTheDarkRadio.com and listen to Glow in the Dark Radio free each week on iTunes. Tune in or just head to GlowInTheDarkRadio.com. Nutty Bites is produced by Mimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash nuttybites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-nutty42.